Keep in Faith, where we focus on the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. My name's Phil, and on this week's episode, I have Carla Staten, the director of the Women's Life House and the Women and Children's House, uh, here just to talk about uh, just how the house is run and, and the good things and the hard things uh, that, that go on there at the houses. So, Carla, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role here at the Women's Life House? All righty. Well, my name's Carla Staten. And I am the director of the Women's Life Houses in Huntington, Indiana. I have many titles. I'm a mom of three adult sons, Alex, Tyler, and Grant. I'm a grandma to three granddaughters, Kylie, Harlan, and Valerie. And I have one grandson, Liam. I am a wife of a pastor, Jimmy. We have been married for 35 years. Mm. I know, right? Wow. Um, my role as the director includes many titles. I direct two houses, one for only adult women and one for women with children. I mentor, coach, case manage. I'm a banker, a shopper, a scheduler, <laughs> and a teacher. And within these titles, I advise the ladies in a different direction in life, help set goals, help them create a plan, I teach classes. I am even a mom here. And sometimes I have to have the tough love. And sometimes I have to let some of the ladies go. Um, there's so much more behind this that is unseen that mm -hmm. you can't just talk about all of it. Mm -hmm. And but. I like what you said there. You know, your roles are very specific titles. They have specific, you know, obligations, requirements, the things that you have to do. But I like how you said, you know, you're a mom. You know, not only are you a mom to three boys and now you get your grandkids and, and, and all those things like that. But, you know, there's, well, we'll talk a little bit about it, I'm sure. But, you know, you got to be a mom to adult women. Yeah, I do. Know? And there are some ladies that come there and they call me mom. Yep. I have a lady, I love her to death. Um, I'm sure she won't mind me saying her name. Her name's Bonnie. She mm -hmm. loves us. She mm -hmm. loves this church. And every time she gets a hold of me, she always calls me mom. Mm -hmm. And she's uh, 65, yeah, I think. So she's older, older than, than me. me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll just go through here just about some of the things uh, that go on at the house. First, let me ask you. How many, how many ladies can, can we house at the Women's Life House and the Women and Children's House? At the Women and Children's House, we have separated uh, four bedrooms. Mm -hmm. um, one is extremely small, so it's mainly a storage room. Mm -hmm. But we can house, I'm going to say up to three families. But if like one woman comes in with one child, yeah. there's a whole nother bed set. So if another woman comes in with one child, I might room them together. Yeah. Um, just because we have the space. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to see anybody homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, the women and children's house, it's very specific on how many kids, you know, the lady has. Well, we tried, we have, when we, when we put the house together, we tried to look at it as um, a woman coming in with five kids. Yeah. So like, one room has a full-size bed and then three twins. And then another room has a full-size bed and three twins and a baby bed. Mm -hmm. So um, we're looking at, you know, hopefully they don't have no more than five kids because then we really would have to put them in a whole nother room. Yeah. But luckily so far since we've been opened, we've the max we have had is five kids. Yeah. So one, the one lady we had, she had three kids 
permanently. And then every other weekend she had her two other children, which made mm. five kids in one room, which makes it extremely tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're not the, <laughs> the biggest rooms by any means. Uh, no, they're not super big, but they're not extremely small no. either. There's plenty of room for the kids to play if the ladies um, and the families keep the room somewhat cleaned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we do have a, a designated playroom for the kids, yep. too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so that's the women and children's house. What about just the, the women's life house? The women's life house, we have um, three bedrooms, and we can house up to eight women. We specifically leave seven beds for long-term and one bed for emergency stay. Yeah. So technically, we, we can house eight women. Mm-hmm. How long has the Women's Life House been open? The Women's Life House, I believe we opened in 2014. So I'm pretty sure we're going on our eighth year. Mm-hmm. You know roughly about how many, how many women... Um, that we've had come through? It's been pretty close to, including the women with children, I think close to 200 yeah. women in the mm-hmm. amount of time that That's we've been what open. I was about to think. But the interesting thing is, we was um, looking at some of this not too long back, and the longer we've been opened, the less women we house, mm-hmm. because I think we have just learned mm-hmm. how to um, get them to stay longer mm-hmm. and not leave the program, not successfully yeah. finish it. Yeah. Um, so, so Carla, how about you just take us, you know, kind of a run through of, of the life house during the week. Okay. So, um, on a regular day for residents, anyways, Mm -hmm. we'll say, we'll start out with the residents. The residents runs, um, they have a, a a schedule. Um, the schedule starts at the women and children's house. It starts at 6 a.m. Um, and it starts at 7 a.m. at the women's life house for the single women, um, Sunday through Saturday, they're required to be dressed and ready for bed, uh, ready for the day. Uh, breakfast, beds made, and the room picked up by 9 a.m. Most women have jobs and are out of the house by 7 a.m., most of them. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't have a job, um, between 9 and 12 and 1 and 3, they're supposed to be out job searching and applying for mm-hmm. jobs. And then um, 12 to 1, we have lunch. And we have a pretty tight schedule. We try to make mm-hmm. them follow this specific schedule. Breakfast before 9, lunch between 12 and 1, and then dinner is between 6 and 7 or mm-hmm. 5 to 6. Well, before you go on, can you yeah. tell me to why we, why why you do that there at the Life House? Why is it so, so strict? Because things? we want them to learn structure. Mm-hmm. We want them to learn that on an average day, people get up and mm-hmm. go to work. They spend eight hours at work or four hours at work, depending on, you know, if they work full-time or part-time. There's a schedule you have to keep if you have children. You need to make sure you fit that in to feed them dinner, um, work with homework, give them showers. Um, Unfortunately, at the Life House, they don't have to do all of that. The women and children do, but um, on top of women and children having their children, they also have to follow the schedule of chores at the house, um, they have to do their own laundry. Um, they have to do classes, and they have classes Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. The women with children's classes are at 4 p.m., and the women's life house is at 7.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we kind of did it that way so that if parents have kids and they're in school, they can have class while the kids are in school, and we 
They don't have to worry about the kids. Yeah. Um, so most of them will go to the Boys and Girls Club and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then 7.30 is after curfew. Curfew's at 7. And then the women, the Women's Life House has their classes at 7.30, mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And then they all have a combined class on Friday. So their days are pretty yeah. filled up for the most part. Um, to continue on with some of their their schedule, um, they have um, what we would call free time, and that's from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, if you want to call it free time, that's when they have to do their chores. They have to do their chores at 7, and they have dinner between 6 and 7. Um, they have to get their homework done, and they do have homework within their classes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to do their laundry. Um, and before you know it, if they get home at 7, they have class at 7.30. They have from 8.30 to 11 to do chores or laundry or homework. They don't have much time. Mm-hmm. Some women don't get home until curfew, which is at 7. Other women will come straight home at 4 o'clock when they get off work and take their showers and start on their homework because they have to have their homework mm-hmm. done or they can get written up for not having it done. Um most of the time, it all runs pretty smooth, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. But the, the focus on the schedule is the structure mm-hmm. for the women to have that structure in their life. Because a lot of women that come to the shelter have no clue what structure is. They have no clue to how to set goals or even set boundaries. Yeah, so. exactly. When they first come in, when you, when you, you know, accept one of the ladies that, that you know, needs a, you know, program or whatever it is, What's the first goal for that lady? Okay, I and I have that kind of, um, we specify this. Yeah. Their first goal, and when we, they go to goal setting class, mm-hmm. usually their first goal is told to them what they, that they have to set. Their mm-hmm. first goal is they have to get a job. Yeah. So within the first two weeks that they're at the shelter, they have to have a job within the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it can take longer depending on a woman's background. Yeah. If someone's coming back from prison or um, they've been in jail for battery or theft, sometimes it'll take a little bit longer for them because the jobs, they do look up people's backgrounds. And if there's battery, mm-hmm. a lot of times they oh, yeah. it's harder to get hired. Or if there's theft, like Walmart won't hire anybody that has mm-hmm. theft behind them. Um, so sometimes it depends on... On the lady, but I do know that here in Huntington, there's a lot of places that hire people that have yeah. a lot of that in in mm-hmm. their background. Yeah, there's a lot of places here in, in Huntington that hire uh, previously incarcerated yeah. uh, women and men, um, which is which is good, especially. So you know, with with some of the other things. What types of classes do some of these ladies have to go through? So both of the classes at both of the houses pretty much this are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I need to tell you what days they fall on, but mm-hmm. like they do a safe people class, which even the prisons have been using this um, to teach, and it teaches women how to look for safe people in their lives mm-hmm. or how to become that safe person. Um, then they have a personal hygiene and cleanliness class. Um, they have a 12-step recovery class, um, and then they also have a goal-setting class. And then they also have an outside of our building, an NAAA class that they mm-hmm. have to attend. So I see that's a lot. It is. It is a it lot. It is. And then on top of that, they are required to attend 
New Life Fellowship yeah. Church. Yeah. And so on Monday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, mm -hmm. and Wednesday, they yeah. are at church. Yeah. So they're, it keeps them busy. The only free time they actually do have is on Saturdays. Yeah. And we don't schedule anything for them to do on Saturdays. If they want to go out with friends or, you know, shopping or getting their hair done or their nails done, they're more than welcome to do that, mm -hmm. um, you know, on the monies that they earn. Mm -hmm. um, also, on, on the lines of money, um, while they're working and everything, they do have to save 50% of their income. Yeah. Um, they're allowed to live off of 40% of their income, and um, when, and they learn to manage it. Within those classes, we do have a budgeting class that they do. Um, it's a four-week series for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's like, with, with just talking with some of the ladies um, from the from the life house and, you know, becoming friends with some of them and, you know, they're big, you know, you just think about how small some of these things are um, to maybe somebody who's, you know, been doing it for a long time, comes a job, getting a car, those types of things. And you just see the excitement from some of these ladies who've saved a lot of money, you know, from being able to get a job and, and getting a license for the first time in a long time since they've lost it or, or whatever right. it is. And it's just cool to, to see, you know, that's why it is such a strict structure right. you know it's to get them back on their feet to get them back to be self-sufficient right type thing. and a lot of times like when we ask them to save their money it is primarily for um so that when they move out when they're ready to move out they will have the money in their accounts for uh first month's mm -hmm. rent and then month's rent and then being able to pay you know, their deposit for their utilities and maybe even furnishing some yeah. items for their apartment because we definitely don't want them to go out empty-handed with nothing to sleep on. Um, but within like the 40% that they are allowed to keep, that money they have to learn to manage to pay off some of their things. Yeah. Um, if they have um, bills such as court costs or they, they need to pay off a fine to get their driver's license back reinstated then they have to learn to manage to budget that so that mm -hmm. they can do that but there are also times where women will say I've got these things paid off now I've saved this amount of money can I take this amount of money and go buy me a car mm -hmm. and we let that happen as long as they are a hundred percent legal so mm -hmm. they have to show proof of insurance mm -hmm. and they have to show proof that they got their driver's license and, um, you know, all of that. Because, mm -hmm. you know, nobody wants to have to walk around um, for years back and forth to work. And most mm -hmm. of the women that come there come without a, a vehicle. Yeah. So they do do mm -hmm. a lot of walking. So we'll get maybe into some of the more of the meat of what we're going to be talking about. Um, can you tell us, you know, it, it can't be an easy job by any means. Um, I don't think I could handle this job. I, I know a lot of people would probably say the same. Many churches probably would say their church couldn't handle doing something like that. Because um, it is a huge responsibility and it probably has a lot of heartache and a lot of headache. It's one um, of those jobs that's not a 9 to 5 Monday no, through Friday. No, it's, you definitely get your phone calls on the weekends and if... Like with me, I am friends with a lot of people on Facebook. That's how they can get a hold of me. And I get a lot of FaceTime calls or just messages 
for private messages. So it's not, it's definitely not a nine to five job. It is something that you've got to have a heart for. Mm -hmm. So, so, so Carla, you know, tell us some, some good things about running the life house and and you can talk about you personally or just, or, or even just the ladies coming in. Well, I can tell you some of the best things about working at the life house is meeting all the women. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people think because the women come to our facility that they're different, but really they're not. They're mothers, they're sisters, they're aunts, they're grandmothers, and they're a friend to somebody. Um, it's their stories that make them different, um, like the way they're raised or how they were treated, but they hurt the same, they love the same, and they bleed the same. Mm -hmm. And I believe, me personally, their stories are different, but we all have the same type of story. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the women, they come because of drug addictions and depression and separation, divorce, homelessness, alcoholism, and just poor choices. Um, they come from prison, they come from jails, they come from out of state, in state, and they even have come from other homeless shelters. Mm -hmm. um, and the list can go on and on, but their stories are remarkable. Um, once you get to know them. A few other things that I love about working at the Women's Life House is just working one-on-one -on -one with the women, um, showing them that there's a purpose in and for their lives um, in our classes and through the love of God and His mm -hmm. grace and mercy. Um, I think that is a really big thing. I mean, if we, if we love people, we need to learn to love the lost, mm -hmm. and we need to learn to love people that aren't like me mm -hmm. and it's taught me that there are so many different ways of thinking um, since I've been working here you know most of us think that our way of thinking is right mm -hmm. and really it's not I mean everybody's way of thinking is right now our morals might be different mm -hmm. but our thinking is right um, one of the things I love about working there too is I get to teach a class and the class that I teach I teach at both I teach one class at the women's house and then I teach a different class at the women with children's house. And I love the, the fact that it's a one-on-one -on -one thing and when I'm doing that, they don't see me as the director. They mm -hmm. see me as a teacher or a friend because mm -hmm. we can get more personal. Mm -hmm. And um, that that's a that's a good thing that helps too. Just having having that and knowing yeah. that they can they can come to you or come to me and talk to me about whatever and one of the best things is when a woman does come in and say I got my license reinstated I've been walking back and forth to work for the last year or the last six months and we're going this weekend to get a car and then hmm. they're so excited and happy that they've done that on their own mm -hmm. um, a lot of times the women have to rely on somebody else to get something for them and then they feel obligated to pay them back and paying them back can be in different forms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just money. It's not just cooking for them. It's, it could be anything. It could oh, yeah. be running a drug deal or anything. Yeah. And one thing I think is great about this is that I always let the women know that when they're staying here, they don't owe us nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, it, is, it is a free place to stay. Uh, it's a, it's a, I'm hoping that most of the women feel that it's a comfortable place to stay. Mm -hmm. um, the lady Bonnie I was talking about, uh, she told me that she never wanted to leave <laughs> and that this was her home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, she did end up leaving, yeah. and but I do hear from her pretty regularly. Probably about every three to four months, we'll one of us will contact each other. Mm. We haven't heard from each other, um, but yeah, the, there's a lot of good things. But the main thing about working there is just meeting all the women mm-hmm. and um, just hearing their stories. Um, and every lady has a different story. Some of them are hard. Some of them are the unimaginable things that's happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really want to say some of them because if somebody is listening and they say, oh, she's talking about me, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I don't want them to think that they can't still trust me. Yeah. You know, There's a lot that goes on that the women needs to be able to trust yes. all the employees yep. um, at the Women's Life House. And I think that that is the key to a lot of the ladies that come through because, you know, at least in my life, in my life experience of, of bouncing around that scene and seeing people bounce around that scene, um, you never know who to trust. No. You know, whether it's drugs or, or sex or, or you know, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Um, you, It's hard to find a person to actually trust. Um, it is, especially when their self-worth has been beaten down so yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think, you know, when you're talking about these stories and every, you know, you know, different stories, but the same story, I think, you know, a good thing, at least for our church here, because like you said, they, they come here, is we get to be a part of that story. Um, and, and you specifically and, and, and those who work at the Lifehouse and, you know, you guys get to be a part of that story. and. Right. You know, even the fun things. I know you've been asked to go furniture shopping or house, you know, house working, yeah. those types of things. And, you know, you get to be part of that because they trust you and, and they, you know, they value your opinion, even right. uh, even outside. Yeah, of, sometimes, even they they have, out. sometimes they have to trust me because I'm the one who has their money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm their banker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's uh, that there's a, too. Yeah, there's a lot of women that um, can't get a bank account just mm-hmm. because they... Um, They've let overdrafts, overdrafts, mm-hmm. and overdrafts, so they've ruined it with the bank. So they've got to find other ways to save. So a lot of times they will use me in saving their money for them. So, yeah. But those are some of the really good things mm-hmm. in it is being able to share their their joys with them for sure. So, uh, Carla, you know, like you said, those are the good things, and so let's let's talk about some of the hard things about the Lifehouse. I know we could probably sit and talk about this for a long time, but... We probably could. Now, the hardest parts about the position of having, is mainly having to tell a mother that they have to leave the children, the women in children's house. Yeah. Um, and I never tell the children that they have to leave. I always talk to the mothers about it. Um, but just having to tell them that they have to move out, that is, is not working here for them, and then just, you know, knowing that the parent is not telling their children the real reason why. Um, I just recently had to let a, a mother and, a, and her children go, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, I, and I feel bad is the most hardest thing. is because it's like, it's not those children's fault, yeah. it's the parent's fault. Because they're still not willing to make the changes that they need to make just to follow the program, yeah. follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And but that that's probably the hardest part. And I've only been doing that for eighteen months. Uh, before it was the women, only the women's life house. Um, and it it took me quite a few years to grow some thick skin on my on on my skin to be able to um, feel confident 
I would say about telling somebody that they have to leave if mm-hmm. you want to use the word confident because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never very easy to tell mm-hmm. somebody that they have to leave because of their choices. Yeah. And, so. and the big thing about that too, is, you know, you know that they need the program and you want them to understand that, but you have to have that thick skin like you're talking about. Right. And, and nothing's worse than, than a, um, a mother saying to their kid, well, Carla's telling us that we have to leave. Yeah. Well, it is true. I am telling them, but it is the hardest. And because you come to, you really do come to love them, mm-hmm. not just the kids, but the mom too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the women's life house, you come to love all the women there too. I mean, if they stay long enough for you to get to know them, mm-hmm. and then sometimes they don't stay long enough, but you still get to know them because mm-hmm. you know why they left. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, there's there's so many there's so many bad things that is part of the, the process of being the director of the women's life house. Some of it is just knowing that um, their past they, they they can't let go of their past. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't let go of their addiction. Um, when all I want to see is a woman being happy with their life and loving their self. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's the hardest thing is to try to teach. And I know this is a bad thing to say, an old dog new tricks, but it's hard to teach a woman how to love themselves when they've been going through drug addiction or abuse for 20 years. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you teach someone to, to to teach them that it's not just them, or how do you teach someone a new way of life that they're so used to? And some of the things that they they have, it's been going on since their childhood with their parents. They've learned from their parents to mm-hmm. do drugs, or they've learned from their parents to um, to be lazy. I mean, um, that's just those are some of the hardest things. It's just not being able to see a woman come to terms that she's good enough, mm-hmm. that she's worth this life. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you just one more you know, focus on one more hard thing, at least something that I would think was hard if I, if I was working there. Um, you have had women come in, make a mistake, have to leave or leave on their own, go back into the lifestyle, and you've let them back after so, you know, so long to try to, you know, get it right or, or those types of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does it feel when a woman keeps going through that cycle? You know, we've had numerous women that's done that, and I can't, I won't mention any mm-hmm. names, but it is, it's mainly the young ones, the mm-hmm. young ones who think yeah. that they've got it all under control, women that's 30 years and under, um, and it is heartbreaking, it is so heartbreaking seeing, and, and I do, I give, I, I truly believe in the biblical aspect of forgive seven times, seven times, seven mm-hmm. times, seven times, and just keep doing it. And just allowing, but there's got to be that fine line of you can forgive, but you've got to put up some boundaries. Um, And that's what kind of what I do. I I kind of forgive them and then I tell them, this is the boundary. Mm -hmm. This time, if you don't, if you don't follow through, you know, you're not going to be allowed to come back for 60 days or six months Mm -hmm. or a year. And knowing that they're going to have to think for a year 
or 60 days that their lifestyle is not going to change mm-hmm. because they're not willing to make that change. Yeah. But it is very hard to see a woman come in for one day to turn around and walk out that door and go back into the lifestyle mm-hmm. that they were. Because deep down inside, they know they need to change. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Yeah. Other than the ones that's court-ordered. Yeah. And the ones that's court-ordered, sometimes they will change and sometimes they're only there because the court tells them to. But... The ones that's there that, that when the court tells them to, they will work hard mm-hmm. at making the graduation aspect come to purpose because they know they won't get off probation if they don't graduate. Yeah. So knowing that they have to be there for four to six months, um, you know, prayerfully, we hope that this, the classes and the church and the guidance and the, the change of the good morals and everything will switch in their brain and be like mm-hmm. oh this is a good way of, this is working mm-hmm. i think i'll stick with it yeah you know so yeah <clears throat> so um carly do you have any stories um just either good or bad about the the women at the lighthouse well i'll tell you this one story and this is going to be very funny um Before we even opened, I had a lady that showed up at our door Mm -hmm. and wanted to stay there. Well, of course, we had to tell her she had to come back in a couple of days because we weren't open. So a couple of days came by. She was back. She came in. She was there for a few months or whatever. And um, I put a sticky mouse trap out. And later that day, she said, hey, you called a mouse on your sticky trap. I said, we did. And she said, yeah, but I pulled it off and I let it loose across the street on the tracks in the field. (laughs) Well, I'm like, oh my gosh, what kind of crazy lady do we have here pulling off? The mouse wasn't dead. It was alive. But she had to pry that poor thing off of the sticky trap. And then a few days later, she had went and found a stuffed animal rat and tried to scare me with it. (laughs) So these are the types of uh, stories that we have. We can have some really good stories like that that are fun and funny and um, everything, and then we can have some really sad stories. Um, I can tell you one story we had, and it's definitely not a, a happy ending, but we had this one lady there, um, and it was on the news, too. She was a real nice, loving, sweet lady. She, You wouldn't even know she had any issues in her life other than she would come in every now and then with alcohol on her breath. Mm-hmm. And she... Did the program. She did really good. She got a job. She worked at Walmart. She had to get up every morning at 4. She had to walk to work, which if you know where the Lifehouse is, it's two miles from Walmart. And she had to be up at 4 so she can be at work at 5. And then a few months later, she she moved out and then she moved back into her her house. And then I heard that she had moved in with a friend and she had a really good support system because she kept in touch with us. And then a few months after that, then we heard that there was a lady found in the parking lot mm-hmm. of a vehicle and that she had died from uh, alcohol poisoning. And I know for a fact that she had no contact with a lot of her family. Mm-hmm. And it was just sad because I don't even know if anybody even came to claim her. But I know that our church and the Women's Lifehouse, we went and got balloons and we let them loose at the park mm-hmm. in memory of her because... No one deserves to die alone, mm-hmm. um, no matter what they went through, yeah. no matter what kind of circumstances in life. 
Um, another person I can tell you is a great story. She was a great resident. Mm -hmm. She had one um, little mishap, and her name was Stephanie. Mm -hmm. um, she was there almost a complete year. She was about ready to graduate. Um, and then one month she came in, and she went to the doctor because she wasn't feeling good, and she got diagnosed with lung cancer. And at this time, she had already had a job. She had saved and bought a car. She had bought brand new, I mean, brand new furniture. $2,000 worth of furniture mm -hmm. she had paid for and bought. Um, and we had stored it for her at the church because she was working on getting an apartment. She had bought a dining room set and a microwave. I mean, she was ready. She was excited. And then she got sick again, and she went to the um, hospital. And she ended up being admitted and never being able to come home. And then that, and that's what's really hard about it, too, is because some of these ladies that come there, they don't give us information about family. So I didn't know any of her family. I didn't know any phone numbers or anything. And so there was no way we could contact anybody to let them know that she was very sick. Well, somehow or another, she managed to tell me her brother's phone number. And I got a hold of him, and he made it from Ohio just in time to see her before she passed away. And, um, but it's so sad because she worked so hard for everything. Mm -hmm. And then she had enough money in her savings account to bury her. Yeah. Well, she actually didn't get buried. She got uh, cremated. But even then, her brother, and this is a sad, the sad, a sad part about it. Her brother even then said, um, I'm not going to take her ashes. You can do what you want with them. So, you know, here these ashes are given to me. And she, the church loved her and the, the house it was a real good support system, so we all went and took her remains and went to the um, reservoir and had a, a service for her mm -hmm. because she deserved it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Absolutely. I, I, and this is why I see her family didn't get to see her change. I got to see her change, mm -hmm. and the biggest person that got to see her change was God. Mm -hmm. And the last time we went, and I took all the ladies at the life house to go see her at the hospital. And Stephanie, and this brings chills to me every, every time I think about it. The last thing she said really was that she got to see the gates of heaven. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just gives us a reassurance that, yep, she made mistakes in life, but the biggest thing that she made was the acceptance of Christ and knowing mm -hmm. that she was going to be going there. Because, you know, who sees the gates of heaven? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But... The, the stories can go on and on. I mean, mm -hmm. there are so many stories that I can tell, but there's so many that I can't tell. Yeah. I mean, I can tell stories that are not fun, like finding um, urine in somebody's house coat that's in a baggie so they can use it for a drug test through the court system. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you stories of where women come in and they've ruined things for all the ladies in the house because they decided to color their hair and lay down on the sheets and ruin the sheet set. So now, you know, we don't call her hair at the house. <laughs> <laughs> They're allowed to do that, but they have to go get it done professionally or at a friend's house. Mm -hmm. But um, there's lots of stories that, I, that can be shared on and on and on. But mm -hmm. um, the ones that you remember are the ones that affect you the most. Like, you know, the lady that we sh shared balloons with or the, the lady that had lung cancer and and died in our care. Yeah. Um, but they're good stories because you know the ending to it, yeah. how that how it ended. 
Um, and then, of course, there's the stories where the ladies that almost make it to graduation and then walk because they don't understand the whole concept of commitment. Mm-hmm. And so if they committed to accomplishing something, then they know that they need to really make the changes in their lives or that they know that they can do it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's um, a lot of, there's a lot of good stories, but there's a lot of bad stories yeah. too. But mm-hmm. the bad stories are good stories too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So uh, Carla, do you have any, any final thoughts you would like to say as we close out here? I just think that people need to understand. I just really hope that, you know, people can understand that women or men that are in circumstances in their life, they deserve to be loved and they deserve to be cared for and they do deserve to have respect as any of us, no matter what their circumstances is. And I do believe that people need to learn the difference between um, being an enabler and loving. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can be a loving person and still have strict boundaries. um, Absolutely. And just know the difference of that. I think the biggest thing is that I think we all just need to continue to learn to love people for who they are, but just not accept for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So our weekly verse this week is Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen, which says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come." And again, this is a podcast brought to you by New Life Ministries. If you'd like to give, you can give at newlifeministries-indiana.com. And that concludes our episode for this week. Thank you, Carla, uh, for being on and, and just talking about the life house in your heart and. Uh, and all those things that go along with the life house and sharing some stories too that, that many people might not get to well thanks to for having me I really did appreciate it yeah. it was fun um, if you'd like to leave a comment or a request for an episode you can email us at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com and thank you for listening to Kingdom